And for the first win of the 2024 calendar year, the Philadelphia 76ers finally beat the Chicago Bulls in their final of their three matchups there on the season. Bulls taking the first two. Sixers starting off the year right with Joel Embiid back in the mix. Hello all and welcome to the PHLY Sixers post-game show here alongside Derek Bodner. I'm Devon Givens. Brianna here. We'll check in with Kyle live from the arena on this uh, Tuesday. Is it a Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. I it was all Tuesday, mixed up yeah. because it ha- <laughs> Happy New Year, Derek. Happy New Year. Happy yeah. New Year. And Happy New Year to everyone out there. Happy New Year to Bree. And uh, we're with you. Excited for the rest of this uh, basketball season, of course. And the Sixers pick up their uh, 22nd win of the year. Get the big fella back, and all he does is come back, no problem. Pick up his second triple-double of the season, so we got a lot to get into yep. with that one. But, Derek, we start there. Once again, he comes in and uh, you know right, keeps picks up where he left off after the four-game absence and comes in and drops another 30-piece. Yeah, no, uh, 14 straight with 30 and 10, 15 straight with 30 points overall. Became just the, I think, the last five players in NBA history to do that. Uh, Embiid, Harden, Kobe, Kareem, and Wilt. And when pretty much everyone on that list is on a first-name basis, even ones who played 50 years ago, you know you're joining some pretty elite company. And he did that despite the fact that he barely plays in the fourth quarter of games, didn't play in the fourth quarter of this one. And the Sixers as a team did not score in the final eight minutes and 11 seconds of this one and still won by 13 points. And at no point while they were going through that cold spell with some pretty wild lineup choices, did you go, oh no, this game is in jeopardy. And that's because they... Pounced on the Bulls right out of the jump, and Joel Embiid led that charge. Yeah, he, he looked good yet again. And look, just to be fair, as everyone was watching out there, before you say, oh, he's stat padding to get to that 30. Yeah, we know. Uh, in the third, <laughs> he knew he was not going to play in the fourth quarter. He knew how many assists he needed. He also knew how many points he needed to at least get 30. I personally thought he was trying to get his average, <laughs> right, Derek, of his 34. But at least to get to that 30, he he certainly wanted yeah, to do that. He true. was able to achieve and accomplish that. So what, right? He was doing it against the Bulls. We knew what he was trying to do. And they were well in front of the Chicago Bulls where they weren't coming back. Ended up with 31, 15, and 10 in 31 minutes of play. And I really thought, you know, look, this wasn't a competitive basketball game outside of the first five or six minutes. The Sixers came out and were bombs away from three. I think they made six of their first seven and seven of their first nine. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that came from role players. Kelly Oubre had 10 points in the first six minutes of this game. He was fantastic. But a lot of that also came from Joel Embiid in terms of drawing a double team, kicking it out, making the easy pass, but making the right pass. Uh, And he was on the money from the start. Yeah, he he really was. Uh, So much to talk about in this one because, as Derek said, this wasn't really a competition after the first five minutes. They get up 20-8, to and they never look back. They just kept on rolling. Kelly Oubre, a big part of that. Maxi makes his first three-point attempt that he made after his first personal foul he then picks up a second one and b gets into foul trouble with kelly Oubre getting some early buckets there for the team uh double figure scoring right away and you just saw how they were putting the pressure on the chicago bulls no robert covington tonight for the sixers he was not in the rotation no uh, d'anthony melton he was also out kelly Oubre getting the start and this was one of those games with kelly Oubre, where you see it we see it often and say you know why doesn't he play this way when he's in the starting lineup more consistently but Having the big guy back in the lineup also helped out with a lot of things, some open looks. And they were just, quite frankly, knocking down their outside shots. And when you are able to do that, that opens up the driving lanes for Maxi and others, for Tobias Harris also. And B, with his ability to knock down the shots from the free throw line, 
getting the buckets early and close there. They had so much going on early where they were able to jump on this basketball team. And again, Chicago was already playing on their heels and they couldn't, they just couldn't stop it. Then the Sixers defense early on was very good also. And you see the difference when you have him back in the lineup, as we all know, when he's back in the lineup, Joel Embiid, when he's in there, there's a big difference at the rim versus what we have been seeing over the past four games. They were able to get two of those on that road trip Two of the four, they won those. But clearly, they knew that they wanted to attack the paint, attack the basket with no Joel Embiid behind. And tonight, it, it did not do them any good. So really good to see them get out to that fast start, mm -hmm. not mess around, not play with their food, Doc Rivers, <laughs> and, and just really pounce on a team that, that they're much better than. So you're, you, that's how you know that you are a true professional because you – come up with the play with your food and you say it correctly. Thank you. Uh, you are a professional behind the Thank mic. You. No, look, I mean, there are, are sometimes it's real tough to analyze basketball. The nuances can be difficult. This one's pretty easy. Two things happen. First, the Sixers have Joel Embiid and the Chicago Bulls do not. That's very key. And second, at halftime, the Sixers were shooting 10 of 20 from three-point range. The Bulls were shooting two of 19 from three-point range. So you have basically the equivalent number of attempts, but one team got an extra 24 points from beyond a three-point arc it's tough to overcome that, overcome that, especially when the other team happens to have Joel Embiid on their sideline. I think you are right. The Sixers did a good job of controlling the paint. And when you combine the fact that Chicago couldn't make anything from the perimeter with a rim protector like Embiid in the center and the fact that, this, that Embiid was getting whatever he wanted and the Sixers couldn't miss, it was a, a joke to Devon. It's like, how are we going to do an hour-long show on a game that really only lasted about six minutes? Because by six minutes or so of it, what were they up at one point? They were up like 32 to 8 or something absurd like that. It's yep. like, what? I mean, there's no basketball left. Yeah, and, and you knew they were done. You, yeah. you knew right there they were done. They were cooked. It, it wasn't going to happen for the Chicago Bulls tonight. They, they got the first two. The first one was closer than the second one. And, and this particular one, you just saw it again right away where they were able to jump right on them and, and not look back. Uh, Daniel Scullin jumps in right away. Happy New Year to you, Dan. Says, great show. Thanks, fellas. He also highlighted something that Kyle had in his story, his recap after the game at allphly.com. Make sure you check it out. Of course, uh, after we're done here, you'll hear from Kyle a little bit later. But Dan says, great line from Newbeck in his recap. Quote, Embiid had an opportunity to go against old frenemy Andre Drummond, whose ass he has busted for the duration of their careers. Yes, Dan, that's very true. Remember when the, the Detroit Pistons days, when they would really go at each other, they would go back and forth, and it was always the matchup of, yes, Andre Drummond is an all-star level player in this league in the middle. He and Embiid would get after it. He would really get up for those games against Andre Drummond. He would still get him in foul trouble. Drummond, you can't keep off the glass. He would still rebound very well. But for the most part, Embiid did what he always does, no matter the opponent. He gets a lot of those big men in trouble. Rudy Gobert, another example, as a, a good defensive center in this league, good defensive big. And he just, he's always owned and had Andre Drummond's number. And it was certainly something when they signed him to be a backup here a few seasons ago. And it worked out well until he had to be traded. Many Sixer fans did not want him here. But colleagues, absolutely right. Dan, again, thanks for pointing that out. In the story, once again, allphly.com. Yep. Early on, I thought, before Drummond, yes, he had 10 boards early on, but I thought the team of what the game plan was was really smart. 
They team rebounded. They yeah. knew they had to help each other. So I saw Tyrese Maxey boxing out yeah. Andre Drummond, allowing where he was the front side of, of Drummond. Tobias Harris was on the backside of Drummond. And Embiid was able to clean up that rebound that it perfectly bounced for them. But had Drummond tried to jump over Tyrese Maxey, if the ball bounced that other side, they might have called over the back, even though he's smaller mm-hmm. because of the position that he had himself in. So I just thought, Derek, that they did a good job smartly of how they position themselves to rebound to make sure that they knew we know who we're playing against. The guy's a beast. He just had 23 against us last week. We need to help Joel Embiid on the glass. Yeah, and look, did the Bulls have some offensive rebounds? Yeah, they had 19 yep. offensive mm-hmm. rebounds. Drummond had 10 of them. That box score looks a little bit ugly. The Bulls missed 60 shots. <laughs> so again, it's not like the Sixers did a good job rebounding. They did a good enough job when they're out shooting the Bulls by as much as they were when they're making the three-point shots, when they're really not turning it over a ton. I think they actually ended up winning the turnover battle, although neither team was great in that regard. They rebounded well enough. And for Chicago to stay in this game, they would have needed to uh, dominate the glass for sure, but they needed something else to go in their favor, whether that's getting more free throws, newsflash, they didn't. Whether it's out shooting the six from three-point line, newsflash, they didn't. Whether it's getting more possession from turnovers, they didn't. Um, so I do. Th- I agree with you that look, there are there were moments of this game where the rebounding wasn't good enough. There were other moments where you're getting some contributions from some players, like you mentioned with Maxi. Uh, I thought Springer did a good job on the glass. Beverly's always getting in there. That was one area where the Sixers needed to not get dominated, and they didn't. No, they did not. So the good team rebounding there early on. It's when you have someone like Andre Drummond, it's what it is. It's just going to be that way where he can go out there and collect 17 rebounds even on a, a down night. 11 points, 17 boards for him, 10 offensive, as Derek said. But Embiid did collect 15 all in the defensive end. And when you shoot and miss as much as the Chicago Bulls in, yep. there will be a lot yep. of opportunities. And a lot of those early on, I mean, look, you talked about it. They missed their first 10 three-point attempts all in the first quarter, 7 for 25 Altogether, the Sixers had a 15 to 10 rebounding advantage there. Yes, four offensive rebounds, and we know two of them for Andre Drummond, one for Patrick Williams. But for the most part, the Sixers did their job of doing what they can against a really good rebounding opponent, specifically in Drummond, but a team overall. They did what they were supposed to do. And by the way, they made 66.7% of their shots, seven of which were three-pointers on 11 attempts. And that's how you jump on a team early. They did not turn the basketball over. They were up 43 to 18, up by 29 in the first quarter. And that's why Derek said when he got here back from the arena, what are we going to talk about here tonight after witnessing what we witnessed in that first half? Hey, a team that did what they were supposed to do against an inferior opponent. And look, yeah, the last game they lost to the Bulls, Joel wasn't available for. But the one, you know, just before that, Embiid was available. He dropped 40. It still wasn't enough. Um, So to get a good team outing, good defensively, good shooting the ball, obviously um, a lot of performances, a lot of key contributors. It was, and look, are the Bulls great? No, they're playing better basketball. I think they came in like six and four in their last 10. Um, They're playing competent at least now of late. To get a win, you can't go winless against the Bulls. Uh, And they came out and they did enough. And obviously Embiid is going to be the highlighter. Uh, of this one. Uh, good games from Maxi. I thought Harris was real good. He was. Role players were making their shots. But defensively is maybe the more encouraging part because they did get after it. And because that three-point shot is going to come and go. Um, tonight, it was very obviously on. But I really like their activity in the first half, especially when this was somewhat of a game. 
to uh, you know really the, the activity of it, uh, forcing turnovers, getting out on the break, creating opportunities. I thought they did a real good job. They did. And Zach Suber also jumping in on this uh, first show of 2024, checking in, saying, how can Maury say to Joel after his second MVP season to wait until this offseason because we don't like our options before the deadline? Thank you again, Zach. Derek, when you look at that question, what do you, what do you think? How, how can he say that except for explaining that right now there's really nothing out there because Joel is a smart guy also? that it also means the future uh, of what this team and him still leading this team yeah. in the future doesn't make sense for right now. I mean, look, I think Joel wants to pounce if they can. But Joel's always, maybe more than any star athlete, I mean, then again, covering the Sixers, it's not like I've covered that many star athletes, but more, maybe more than any star athlete that I've covered, Joel looks at this from a general manager point of view. Like, he's always been very receptive to that argument. He wants to not contend for a title this year, but contend for a title for the next five years. And when you're someone like Joel Embiid, who has now been in the MVP race four consecutive years, you have that mindset where this isn't my last chance. This isn't my only chance. So yeah, I think it would be a tough sell to Joel to be like, we're going to sit out this trade deadline if that does end up happening. But if you can say to him, look, I think we're going to have better opportunities in the summer, maybe a trade at the draft, maybe a, a, a free agent um, in July... I think Joe looks at this from a long-term perspective, whether that's a three or five-year window. Obviously, he would love to maximize it now, but I don't think that's an impossible sell if Maury truly believes in it and if Maury is able to present that as this is our best opportunity. That being said, I don't think Maury wants to sit on the sidelines at this trade deadline. I've said this pretty much the entire time. I don't think his, you know, I don't think his his priority is cap space in the summer. I think his priority is to trade for someone now. And then bring back, um, you know, the the guys he has bird rights on, uh, whether that's bringing them back, a sign and trade, whatever. I think his goal is to get reinforcements for this stretch run, and then bring them back in the summer for a long term deal. It's just whether or not there is somebody out there that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, again, like I think I, I do think there's a, a sentiment out there that Maury wants to use the cap space, and I fundamentally disagree with that. I think the cap space is a backup plan and maybe a little bit of a threat to other teams. Like, hey. If you don't trade now, like we're going to be active. The Sixers will jump in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? We have a a few more questions. Like I see one from R. Smith. We'll get that on the other side. But first, I want to tell everybody as we step into the new year and you start your mornings off or even throughout the day, you have some things that you want to do. Let's tell you when you're hungry, you want to get some food in you. Tell you about our good friends from Bagels & Co. Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly. You know, with love, by the way. Huge bagels, biggest bagels in Philly. uh, Very large, hence, you know, the Brooklyn, New York style. We have a large variety that the Bagel & Co. do. Usually have 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. They have seasonal bagels as well. For instance, during Christmas, they had a Christmas-flavored bagel on display for Xmas season. We saw it when we did our Reading Terminal show. They had it there for us to check out and try as well. Kyle talks about it all the time. The largest cream cheese variety. 30 different flavors of cream cheese. And they have so many different styles and flavors that you can check into. For instance, 
Eagles cream cheese. I know you're down on the birds a little bit, but when they start bit. winning again, little bit. when they start oh. winning again, Derek, yeah, you can next go. year. Sorry. It's, it's Sorry, the year. I'm... It's 2024. What are you talking about? They're already in the year. I'm very bitter right now. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, you do. You go for the Eagles cream cheese when you're looking for uh, something in basketball season. They have the 76ers cream cheese as well. Did the Phillies promotional type of stuff in the fall when they were in the playoffs? You can check it out on Instagram to see the visuals yourself, see if, how you like them. Make your trip down to Vegas and Co. And in an affordable brand you get a lot of food for cheap and it's today's inflationary world as we know we think it that's key there at bagels and co so they debated raising the prices but they don't want to on an everyday brand keep it like it is not the same high-end places that you go to splurge on the weekends all right all right hey they are a great company mom and pop feel that they cater to your everyday individual needs a lot of the customers are repeat customers at Bagels and Co. So, really good coffee. It's not seven dollars like Starbucks. Why go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a subpar product when you can come to us and get a premium product at the same price? For the best Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philly, head to www.thebagelsandco.com/store/locator. Check it out there uh, on the link to find the closest Bagels and Co. near you. Also, want to tell you about Foco. Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And with it being football season for a little bit, at least and tailgating season, it means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, and bags, everything you need for a game Foco has. It's probably the last home Eagles game though, right? That's really likely to be the last home Eagles game. Yeah. That right now is the, unless there's an upset. Yeah. In the postseason, and yeah. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. It's devastating. It's devastating. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use a promo code PHLY10 for ten percent off. I just I can't believe how this season went off the rails. I really can't. I know to tell me that we're not going to have a home playoff game. It's it's ridiculous. And look, folks, yes, we are PHLY Sixers podcast, and of course, this is the post game. We're talking hoops here. We love football here, and uh, 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 all four of us, including Rich and, of course, Brianna, that's five, we love football. The fact that I'm sitting there planning things and I'm talking to the girls, I'm like, yeah, on this Sunday, be prepared to do something else because I'm going to the game. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Derek, if not two, at minimum one home game, yeah. and I'm going to be there. And now, folks, there's a chance that they do not have a home game at all unless they get some help. Here next Sunday, I I just don't. There's no pathway for them to to have that second round. The Cardinals, you gotta, man. Get, you gotta listen the to the Cardinals. professor, uh, of course, on the Eagles podcast with Bo and Zach. But yeah, how do you lose to the Cardinals? I have no idea. Do we need man. to recap that too? No, we don't. You know, I very much do not want to recap the Eagles at all because I just want to be a fan. Because like when that happens, I just want. Did to- you see AJ Brown put on Twitter? He's speaking yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, I did. I can't wait. Is he really going to speak? Is he going to really tell the truth? Is he going to really say what he wants to say? I don't know, man. Uh, Anyway. Seems like more of a coaching thing, right? For whatever reason. I mean, putting the pencil in there, (laughs) the defensive coach. All right, man. It's all right. All right, let's let's move on. Let's get to as we, we we're, we're, we're do, we do the good vibe show now. Who would have thought when we launched this company, the Eagles would be the ones that were frustrated that constantly? I know. And we do the good vibe show. I the, know the, the, the pot the show that started off with James Harden not wanting to be here. We're the good vibes podcast. Go figure. 
Go figure. We'll ask Kyle later on, see what he thinks too, because it's ridiculous. All right. R. Smith said, uh, Devon, DeJounte Murray and DeAndre Hunter from the Hawks for Tobias Harris, Korkmaz, and Picks. Are you pulling the trigger on that deal? R. Smith, thank you. First of all, why would Atlanta do that unless it's getting off the money of Tobias Harris and Cork Moss and, of course, adding the picks to their team where they can now have a little bit of cap space? I don't know enough about their situation except for they're getting off of two contracts with big money and eliminating that money by bringing in Harris and Cork Moss. So if that's where you're going, R. Smith, great idea on that part. Of course, the picks add to it. Uh, but for the Sixers, when you're looking at replacing potentially two starters here, then I, I would say yes. But I just no. don't see where that would be what the Atlanta Hawks are doing unless they are just tanking on this season to create space and attack the offseason for some other way. See, I think... I think Player-wise, personnel-wise, it's just it just makes too much sense to have those two guys. Well, I mean, first of all, the end picks thing I think needs to be fleshed out because that's a big part of it, especially yeah. when you talk about flexibility for making future moves. I also am just not all that high on DeJounte Murray. I think he's overrated in general. I think he'd be a very bad fit here with the Sixers. I think his D is semi-fraudulent. Not that he's a, a doesn't add value on defense, but I think as a point of attack defender, someone to get through screens, he's not nearly good enough. Uh, he has some off-ball utility for sure, but I think he's overrated on that end, and I think he'd just be a terrible, terrible fit next to Tyrese Maxey. And again, we talked about this pretty recently, so I don't want to go through all of it, is there some intrigue of just like maybe it like maybe you're wrong, maybe the talent works out, sure, but it's not enough for me to commit three years and I think like about eighty million dollars to him on your books, and certainly not enough to then give up draft picks in exchange. So like I I sort of get the um idea of it. I just don't think in practice he is actually as good. How'd you phrase it the other day? He's the kind of guy that you're intrigued by from afar. You like him from afar. I think that's probably how we'd end up looking at it. Yeah, you like him from afar, and now and rather than like sort of like proving a theory, like you have a theory that you would like him from afar, and rather than prove prove that and see that play out, I'd rather keep the draft picks it would take to acquire him and use that for somebody I actually believe you, you in actually as a fit. Like, yeah. I really just don't think you can get first of all non shooters and non floor spacers. And Dejounte, when you start looking into his catch and shoot numbers, it's very bad. And if you're not going to space the floor next to him, beat a maxi, it's a real tough fit especially when that guy then needs to take the ball out of Maxi's hand to prevent, provide any real utility. And DeJounte, his, his value comes from the fact that he can create in the pick and roll, get to his mid-range spots, and score from that spot. And does that have value? Sure, but it's coming at the expense of Maxi, and it's not providing any kind of additional value when he's off ball. Again, but as we also said, just to go to the other side, as we talk about this a little further, we also mentioned San Antonio Spurs DeJounte Murray versus the Atlanta Hawks, DeJounte Murray, where he was an all-star. And while he was a, uh, I think he was a commissioner's pick, he was a real choice from what he was doing with the San Antonio Spurs mm -hmm. to make that all-star team. That said, when he got to Atlanta, things got a little bit inflated overall because it was billed as he was going to be the number two to Trey Young. Coming here and being maybe a third option, falling into a much better role next to Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, who are clear-cut the numbers one and two, going to have to buy into this winning situation here where he did not have that in Atlanta so could that be something that we do look at and say is it fair to look at him in two ways San Antonio Spurs Murray versus Hawks Murray and if you're making this deal 
strictly on the talent and the fit that there's a still room where the player looks at this situation and becomes the player that we saw in Atlanta, the era of his ways as well. Sometimes sure. you have to look in the mirror yourself and see what the problems were, where this is a winning environment, a much better situation. I, I'm not going to say anything necessarily about the coach because I think Quinn Snyder is a very, very good coach. But in this one, the environment again and the atmosphere, the vibes, as we talk about, are much vet better here where things do work out in the backcourt with Maxi, and it only has the stock going up once again for the Sixers. We haven't done a soccer report in a while. That might have to happen this week. We have a couple, yeah. a couple of Maybe, Let's wait till next week. Okay. Yeah. Let's well, I mean, we're week. supposed to do it every week. Yeah. Anyway, if you're telling me that we one, one fewer week of having that stupid ass hat on, I'll, I'm fine with that. <laughs> anyway, to your point, like in terms of him buying in and, and, and into his role, I would agree with that if I trusted the shot. And even when you talk about San Antonio, Murray, he still wasn't a good shooter. He still wasn't a floor spacer. I just think really in on any team, but especially on this team with him beating Maxi. Non-shooters, non-floor spacers are a really, really tough fit. And it'd be one thing if he was like someone that you were just signing with a mid-level or, or a, using a resource to acquire that wasn't key and vital to your future. With these draft picks the Sixers have accumulated, they are key and they are vital to any kind of championship equity you want to have. I just don't believe in Murray as a fit next to Embiid. First of all, like I said, I think he's overrated, but I just don't uh, like envision him and like him and believe in him as a fit next to Embiid and Maxi enough to give up my, you know, a few of my final remaining assets. That's where I that, that's where I'm at with DeJounte. Fair enough. And I'm sure you're not alone on that because the two-minute warning, Al says nobody, Devon, thinks that far. Shaking my head. All right. Fair enough. Speaking of the backcourt, no DeAnthony Melton in this game. Uh, out today uh, dealing with an injury. Robert Covington also out. So for the Sixers' illness and uh, for... Uh, Covington also left knee, they they said, infusion for Covington. Yep. And as far as Melton goes, a lumbar spine soreness yep. for DeAnthony Melton. So with it, I wanted to ask you this question. You thought we didn't have things to talk about, but we do. <laughs> because I, I asked you this question. Seeing Kelly Oubre perform this way at, in the number two in the backcourt with Melton as the two guard, we know he shoots it better than than Deon, uh, Dejounte Murray. Mm -hmm. um, but we've also seen him play and score seven points, where he's taking five shots. He does, or he's streaky, as we know, and he will make or miss type of player. But he's also someone who, like, who can get going, like we saw tonight. Even with him only finishing with seventeen points after scoring ten in the first quarter, the impact was felt against an opponent where they jumped all over him. So he didn't need to drop 20. He didn't need to do more than he did tonight. He got really good looks, and he made the best of it. He opened up things for his teammates. Does this, a performance like this, nothing against Melton again, I think we both agree that at his best, his best is coming off the bench as a sixth man. It's not a knock on him. It's just that's where he's best to be able to come in with that second unit and really put an emphasis on that game and his footprint, his handprint, his fingertips, you know, fingerprints all over the game, whatever you want to say, because that's the type of player that he is. He's not a starter on a championship-level team. That's not really to say that Kelly Oubre is, but for what they have, Derek, having Batum back in the lineup with Tobias Harris, Maxi, and Embiid, does this give you a look, an outlook of what you really want from your two-guard and maybe that's something that they also look to go forward with if they don't see something out there as a replacement. Yeah, 
I honestly don't think so. And look, when Kelly's making almost literally every shot he throws up, I think in the first half he was five for six for 16 points. When you have that incredible level of efficiency, like, yeah, it's going to work. But I think DeAnthony does enough, you know, in terms of just sheer off-ball gravity, I think he has, you know, he has a pretty quick trigger. Uh, he's willing to launch it, even a contested three. Even when the shot's not going in, I think he has pretty good gravity. He has really good hands on defense. Um, he tries hard. Like, I think he provides a more consistent defender. I think he provides consistent floor spacing. And I think in that starting lineup, that's what you need. You know, you talk about DeAnthony and his best role being as a six-man I sort of think that's Kelly's best role too as a sixth or seventh man off the bench. So I think you can make a similar argument for both. But given how much DeAnthony has been in the starting lineup, given the success they've had with that starting lineup and the floor spacing he provides and the team defense he provides, I don't think they should make a change given, you know, with the current personnel. Um, but whenever you, it's just great. Like we can have a, a role player sort of step into a new role because of injury and circumstance and succeed. And that's a great thing. That's what good teams are capable of doing doesn't necessarily mean we need to change it up every time too. No, not every time. But when you see that it works out this way, and I agree with you that you you do need that. He is the sixth man, in my opinion, Kelly Oubre. You do need that punch of scoring coming off the bench 100%. Melton is not the same type of score as Kelly Oubre is, but the mindset that you just talked about, the quick trigger when it comes to shooting very, very quickly from the perimeter, he's a better player by putting the ball on the floor. He's a better finisher at the rim where we constantly complain, especially Kyle drives him nuts of how he doesn't finish at the rim more efficiently because yes, he is a smaller player, but he also has pretty good gravity out there where he should finish a little bit more uh, maneuvering the basketball around to get a shot off instead of some of the stuff that he throws up there at the rim. That's part of the reason. And while Melton is a much better defender and I agree with you, the length that Kelly Oubre and the size does that, make up for not having the same type of defender overall, much better defender in that two spot. Oh, sure. No, I mean, look, Ubre's length... For this team. Ubre's length is a, an asset. His defense and his ability to cause chaos and force turnovers is an asset. Um, but, I mean, that, that's something that both players bring. I mean, DeAnthony Melton's hands are very good defensively. He's active defensively. I trust his decision-making more. Um, you know, we can certainly nitpick each player's strengths and weaknesses, whether mm -hmm. that's um, you know, Melton's finishing at the rim or Uber, the fact that he has like one assist every three games, like neither player is perfect. I just think with what they have shown and look, you bring up today and you say, you know, given what they showed today, should you reconsider it? Well, given what they've shown on the season, that starting lineup has played 14 games. The, the, the base this starting, starting line. No, the base starting oh, the lineup, base starting the one line. with Maxi Melton, okay. um, Batum, Harris, and Embiid. 14 games together, 219 minutes. They've outscored opponents by 163 points wow. in those 219 minutes. So would I change something that's legitimately one of the best five-man units in the league based on one game? I think that's probably a little bit of an overreaction. Okay. I no. mean, that, that starting lineup is six. And look, a lot of those games came against garbage competition. That's a fair criticism. But until they actually but struggle. But it's also true. They did it. Until they struggle. And again, it's not like the Bulls are world beaters here. Until they actually struggle, I just don't think there's any reason to change it. No. And right. by the way, like we're probably talking about the next five weeks anyway, because as we mentioned, there's a real case that they're going to make a significant change at the trade deadline anyway. And that will change this equation. It, then it'll be changed again. Yeah. yeah so uh, fair enough point. I uh, just wanted to throw it out there because of the fact that we do talk about the lineup that way. And uh, again, some oh, of no, the issues I, that it, they have. It was have. actually funny. because I, so I wanted to throw that at yeah. you. 
So I was actually sitting on press row next to Kyle uh, during the first half. I, I go pregame, watch first half of the arena, and then come over to the studio. And Kyle said, hey, by the way, the fans are going to start wanting Kelly starting over DeAnthony. So I think it's a good thing to bring up. I think it's worth bringing up. I just don't think it's a change I need to make right now. I got you. All right. Uh, in the chat, I see one from our good friend James Lynch Jr. Hi, Derek and Devon. First time, long time. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for watching. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I... Uh, I believe him. <laughs> really appreciate it. Uh, also, AC Phila asked this one. This is a name that comes up every now and again. Mm -hmm. And uh, Malcolm Brogdon, now with the Portland Trailblazers, no longer with the Boston Celtics. And he seems like a, a prime candidate to be moved at the deadline. We talk about backup point guards, TJ McConnell, Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright, Monte Morris, uh, often. N very, very, not much when it comes to Malcolm Brogdon. He's out there every now and again from fans, but... What do you think? Is that a name? He's not uh, He's not a defender at this stage of his career. He's still someone who can score and run a team. Big salary number, and he would be coming off the off the bench. What would you think about that? Yeah, he's, his salary number is about 22, 22 for this year and next year. Uh, so it's a good number. It's not an astronomical number. He's 31, so he's not like complete. Like he's not that old. There's two concerns I have for him. One he misses a lot of time every year. That's always been the concern. That's one of the reasons he fell in the draft um, all those years ago, uh, and that's played out. The other is that it doesn't really seem like any team is all that interested in keeping him long term. And it seems like whenever he leaves, like it, there's just chatter around the league that I don't know what it is about him, but he just never seems to stick uh, and never seems to really solidify himself as a core of a team despite putting up pretty good numbers. And I wonder why. And I honestly, I'm not saying that like suggesting it. I truthfully wonder why, because you look at him and he puts up good numbers with the Bucks. He puts up good numbers with the Pacers and the Celtics. And look, he got traded for Drew Holiday. Like you, you get it. You get it. hundred percent. But it just never yeah. seems like keeping him as a priority like you would expect that it would be. So I agree. He's, he str can struggle at times one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I don't think he's a complete zero on defense. Certainly gives you a little bit on both sides of the ball. Can run an offense, can shoot. I'd have to really, I think, ask around uh, and also see what other options are out there. Well, uh, the number, like I said, the contract number is not astronomical. What would Portland be looking for? Um, what would it cost? And, you know, doing the due diligence elsewhere. Well, the one thing, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I can say this because I have heard some things about him, which was that, you know how it is around the NBA. You've heard that I've heard that he's a locker room lawyer. Right. And locker room lawyers don't do well in the NBA. Mm -hmm. They like you as a person, but when they feel like they're you're talking behind their backs and things right. of that nature, that goes a long way, not only with the players, but also with the coaching staff and even up top. So if you're a locker room lawyer and those things happen where you're pushing an agenda right. in, in that way, that can really break up a, a, a locker room. Plus, um, with the money that he makes, which Derek said is not a lot, you know, he feels like he is deserving of certain things. Now, he's been a starter for his entire career. He only really started to come off the bench last season for the Boston Celtics because he gave up a starting role to make sure he came off to, to help the team. Wasn't all that thrilled about it, but he did it, and we saw how far they got. He did not play in the Eastern Conference Finals after they advanced because of an injury that Derek talked about, which keeps him out of the lineup quite often. Uh, but before he was traded to Portland, people remember he was traded to the Clippers as part of a three-way deal. It was, it was Knicks because of an injury that they flagged in LA 
So he was traded twice. So yep. Boston had no problem getting rid of him twice. Now, he was also, to be fair, on his side, traded and most likely not happy. Again, if something like that, uh, that's your personality, then you're not going to be happy if you're traded and brought back. And if it's not smoothed over, you're going to want to get traded again. I'd no. imagine he doesn't want to stay in Portland because he does want to win. But does he want to win at his cost or does he want to win for the betterment of the team? Can he be someone that comes in? He can come in and help. Is he going to be able to come off the bench and help this basketball team as a backup guard? So if you want to see Malcolm Brogdon, if he's still part of Portland, <laughs> uh, if they come, if since has Portland been here yet? I don't think so. No, no. Game three of the season. That no. was. Yeah, they were here. Well, if you want to go somewhere else oh, and watch yeah, him yeah, yeah. Uh, play, you can get some tickets in one spot. And spot that we all love and we tell you about quite often. And that is that spot time. is game time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance, game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fast growing ticket app in the country for a reason. With game time, you get, you get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set, with tickets sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. One final thing on, on Brogdon. I was a big fan coming out of, out of Virginia mm -hmm. while he was there. And, you know, you and I have been around the team for a long time, so, you know, we talk to people sometimes, and I'm like, yeah, you guys got so many second round picks. You should probably take, or, or and I think at this time they had the end of first round. You should probably take Malcolm Brogdon and somewhere in there. And we had many nice discussions about that. And we still do to this day just because it, it was a fun, fun discussion sure. at that time about yeah, uh, his knees are bad, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff coming out of Virginia. He had, uh, I can't remember if he had some stuff taken out of his knee. Yeah, uh, that was that was a red flag for a lot of teams, which is why he dropped in the second round. But the career that he's had, he's had a, a really, really good career from Milwaukee to Indiana and then Boston and doing what he's doing right now. I mean, yeah, you could have had Malcolm Brogdon with the 36 pick in that draft. Was this the Furkan? But they took Furkan with the 26 pick. And, and, and Brogdon's been on how, what, four teams now? And <laughs> Furkan's still on the team that drafted him. Very true. They could be <laughs> traded for each other. How about that? Yeah, numbers don't match, but you just have to add a few other things uh, in there for this team. Uh, Derek, coming into this one, though, six is right now at 23. I said 22. It's 23 and, and 10 here on the season. Boston is in a tight one right now with OKC down two with about 15 seconds uh, to go down three now with 15 seconds to go. Now it's actually two, so it's updated. Uh, that's the beauty of, of watching this stuff in real time. Uh, updated Boston down by two right now. But as we talk often about the standings and where things are with this basketball team and look at it, uh, six is three and a half games back of Boston, one game back of Milwaukee. 
they have increased their lead over the Orlando Magic by three and a half games also. These are the three teams that we've said that are going to be there all along. It's just a matter of how things are going to go. By the way, Boston has won six games in a row. They're on a pretty good run here. They, again, as you talked about it, they keep doing this when key players are out. And sure, they lose this game here. They lose this game there. But once again, yes, Chicago, oh, Devon, they're just playing the Chicago Bulls, but the Bulls beat them twice. And they had some pretty good games offensively against the Sixers. They beat them twice, and they beat them. Not the Sixers losing to them. They beat the 76ers. They keep finding ways to win when a number of players are out of the lineup, in, including these key guys in Melton and Covington for what he is. Yeah. No, I mean, look, they, you know, you, you've seen... I mean, what did they go two and two in that four game road trip without yep. Joel? Yep. They're now two and two and four on the season, two and five, something like that without Joel. Uh, still struggling at times without him. But other than that, like they have had Batum missing time, Melton missing time, Covington now missing time, Ubre obviously missed that time. Um, they're playing a, a pretty weak schedule, and that certainly helped them. But you still have to win these games, and they have found different ways to do that. And pretty much any time that Joel Embiid is on the floor, you're going to have a chance. Uh, but to have to do this, I, look. Coven and Melton are two of your better permanent defenders, and he still came out with a really good defensive showing. That's not just Embiid anchoring the center, but that's also a lot of activity on the wings. Um, that's also getting out in transition. Uh, they just had a real solid game, and you don't have to apologize for beating an NBA, a professional NBA basketball team, especially one in Chicago, who at the very least has been playing pretty hard uh, and pretty consistently you know, engaged lately that maybe they weren't doing earlier on in the season. So, yeah, this isn't like a, you know, when they were beating the Pistons by 40 every night. This is a, a more competent, uh, more, like I said, more consistently engaged NBA team that has beaten you twice here in recent time. It is, uh, you know, like I said, you don't have to apologize for this one. No, not at all. Handle your business. Beat this basketball team. You said it earlier. You, you can't know, lose three times to we, the Bulls. How many years uh, in the Joel Embiid era was it like, all right, well, they've got a, a down opponent. They come out, play with their food, and blow a game and it felt like year after year after year especially maybe that final year with brett brown that would happen a lot uh and they have come out and there's no team that has consistently put away inferior competition as quickly and as decisively as the sixers i mean how many games now are we at where joel Embiid has not stepped foot on the floor in the fourth i think it's like nine or ten at this point it's something ridiculous if we want to talk over the last like seven games is five yeah 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 it's it's just absurd seven, it's not like the six are the only teams playing the, or the only team playing the bulls and the pistons and like other teams play them too the sixers are consistently putting them away very early and if, if we're going to sit here and talk about that then certainly a, a lot of that has to do with the head coach and saw saw twice tonight Derek, where i looked at it uh early on tyrese maxey picks up two quick fouls mm -hmm. and while he does come out in the first quarter he typically comes out of the game and uh, somewhere around the six, five-minute mark for yep. Nick Nurse, and, and then he comes back in around the two-minute mark. And then Joel Embiid picks up his fourth personal foul very early in the third yep. quarter. Now, the game is already out of hand. We're not thinking that they're going to come back and uh, beat the 76ers. However, he did leave those two guys in those spots in the game. So we've talked a lot about things that Nick Nurse has done where we start to see the differences of in his coaching impact in the game and what they're doing out there on the floor, even though it's an inferior opponent, it, it, it is something. It's not nothing for us to notice that he did something like that and trusting his players to get through it. Yeah. 
and not make a mistake and pick up that extra foul. Yep. No, and like you said, they were up by a million, give or take, when Embiid picked up that fourth foul. Um, but I do like keeping him in there. Uh, I've That was one thing I've always complained about. And I, he did it in the first half, too, when Embiid picked up the third foul. He kept him in as well. Mm-hmm. One thing I always hated that Doc would do, this would be automatic for Doc. It was like a, a, a script. And once that, that third foul was triggered in the first half, Embiid was on the bench, no matter what. Drives me insane because you are guaranteeing the very outcome that you are trying to avoid. Like you pull him out so that you make sure that he doesn't pick up that fourth foul so that you you don't limit his minutes so that you don't get the end of the game and he picks up six and he's out. Well, by not playing him when he picks up that third, you're limiting his minutes on your own choosing. Um, let him play. Let, even if he has to play worse defense, even if you have to trust him to not make a mistake, Embiid is very good about not fouling out. He very rarely fouls out. Let him play. Uh, and this was a low stakes version of that, but I like the fact that Nick's Nick entrusts Embiid and trusts his key players to play through that foul trouble, uh, so he can at least keep them on the floor as long as possible. Certainly, something I didn't like either uh, during the Doc Rivers era, where he had to stick by the by the plan to a T, and he wouldn't adjust to it. Let them play, trust your guys. If they pick up the third foul, then it's something for you to beef at. But I don't think it, it's going to be where the fans and the other coaches are going to say, why didn't you take him out of the game? It's just going to be more of, hey, why didn't you trust him to stand there? Because inevitably what would happen, Derek, was the reserves would come in, and you talk about it. We've seen it for so many yeah. of those three years. They would come in, and all of a sudden, bam, the and run starts, and how do up, you douse that fire? You'd end up at the end of the night, yeah, Embiid would only finish the game with 4,025 minutes played. Well, you wasted 10 minutes. Yeah. You just wasted 10 minutes of Embiid being and, on the And floor. tonight, look, if you say – you look at the game where they were parading to the paint and finishing at the rim. They absolutely were after they realized he had four and he wasn't doing anything to, to stop it. He was just being smart. And again, the game was already out of hand. But you can also trust him in a close game that, hey, I have to be very careful here not to pick up an unnecessary foul to put my team here in, in a bad spot yeah. where I have to come out of the game. Yep. You just have to. You have to trust your guy in order to do so. So I, I like that about Nick Nurse. I like this. I like seeing him do that and trust his best players to find their way through it. I'm sure they say something. I'm sure they talk about this. This is probably not even talked about on the floor. This is something that's instilled in training camp or when it first happens. Hey, you already have it, but here's what I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I trust and believe in you, that you're just going to be out there and be the, the smart guy that you are to make sure that this doesn't happen and put us in a tough spot. We'll hear from Kyle in a little bit, live from the arena, and it looks like OKC has defeated the Boston they Celtics. 127-123, so Boston, uh, OKC snaps their six-game winning streak, Boston down, so the Sixers pick up a game here. Yep, makes put somewhat like three out, I think. Mm-hmm. Three out now instead of three and a half, three out of the Boston Celtics right now, so just keep pace as best as you can. On, on Christmas Day, we know what happened there. Uh, where you could have picked up some ground on Milwaukee, only game back of them, so it's not that big of a deal. But a winnable game, as it turned out, even though Tyrese Maxey didn't perform all that well, you were in, you were as close as four points in that game, something that they, they could have won. So anytime that they can pick up these wins that they need to pick up, they have a couple of days off on Wednesday and Thursday before they host the New Look Knicks on Friday at the arena and a, a road game on Saturday, Pick up these wins against these teams that you are better than and just compile those W's uh, against these opponents. That's why when I would sit here and watch you guys when I, I was unable to be here. And, when and you took your three-month vacation? When I took my three-month vacation, rightfully so. 
folks, rightfully so, well-earned, <laughs> deserved, <laughs> three-month vacation, just sitting here listening to people, you know, looking at the comments and not you guys because you both said it would be over 50 wins on the season. It was like, even if James Harden plays, they're going to get 50 wins, yeah. all right, because he needs a contract at the end of the season too, whether it's <laughs> he here does. or elsewhere. He's going to play and not dog it. What are you guys talking about? This basketball team is 23 wins in 33, and it was just insane to see to, to see that I mean, in the moment. That's part of the fandom, though. It's like going up with the ups and downs of peaks and valleys. Oh, it's man. like, I get it. 47 get it. wins. 47 and 25. Joel Embiid, they're when be. he's healthy, is an automatic. Or 35. Spot. It's like, what? No. 47 and 35? No, they're not. Anyway, I think we have Kyle checking in here from Kyle the arena. arena. All right. Look at that. What up, gang? How we doing? Check in with Kyle from the arena in the new year. Happy new year, man. Happy new year, Devon. And I already saw Derek and didn't say happy new year to him. So I guess guess I'll extend it to the other guy on the show. Then again, I think to be fair, I'm not sure I said happy new year to you either. We're just the a mutually bunch of assured destruction here. That's so the name of the I'm game. I'm the only nice one here. <laughs> that is 100% correct. Yep. <laughs> well, listen, man, you're at the arena. First game back after this four-game road trip, and B comes back, picks right up where he left off, a 30-point triple-double. They jumped on this team very early, Kyle, and did not look back. It was good to see them stomp on the team like they should have uh, in the past. Yeah, and, you know, number one thing coming into the game is how does Joel look, right? Because that's basically the only subplot that matters in a Sixers-Bulls game in early January. Luckily, he comes out, looked pretty good physically. He said after the game that didn't really have the wind and that he had not been on his feet much over the last, you know, 10 days. He'd only really gotten some real workouts in over the last day or two. And so his conditioning was impacted. Nurse acknowledged that after the game as well, but good to get him out there. He played, what what was it, 31-plus minutes tonight, so even in the three quarters, got some conditioning done out there, get some game reps in, and more importantly, kept that 30-10 streak alive, fellas. Mm -hmm. You know, that was in real jeopardy at the end of that (laughs) third quarter. He wasn't going to let that (laughs) He somehow managed to manufacture a pair of free throws with 1.3 seconds left, and... uh, Threw his body across the. I'm not saying it wasn't a foul, but it was, you know, the Joel's critics will eat that one up. I will say that. <laughs> Obviously, uh, DeAnthony was not available. What'd you make of uh, Kelly in that starting lineup? So, I, uh, when you shoot like that, uh, I don't think anything else really matters. Uh, I would say, and I said to you, Derek, during the game, I thought Kelly acquitted himself well defensively, did a lot of the off ball stuff you need from him. In terms of like low man, tagging the roller, stunting, all that. Showing a lot of length to Chicago, which is a good thing. They definitely had some lapses there tonight. Nurse acknowledged or said after the game that Chicago is a team that kind of constantly wants to attack you, go downhill, drive at you. It's a team full of shooters and not a lot of makers is the thing. So instead of watching Ayo Dosunmu launch up bricks or Dale and Terry, whatever. A lot of these guys just want to attack the rim. So they, they got downhill against guys like Ubre Batum, but I thought, you know, the length that they showed posed the problem. Certainly it helps to have Joel behind them, but I think we might see some more of, you know, Ubre Batum combinations in the future. Nurse said, nurse was asked about it. Like, Hey, is this something you might need to use against the Celtics? 
moving forward, like in the future and the playoffs, potential matchup like that. And he sort of, the way he phrased it was, it's not something you can go to right now because you know, the team's playing so well, you're not going to change anything. But the entity being out basically creates an opportunity to look at some different stuff. So I, I think they came away thinking it's a positive, but nobody's rocking the boat. Uh, Dan Scullin earlier, Kyle, brought up something from your piece at allphly.com, and he he, talked, he quoted your uh, uh, piece about Embiid had an opportunity to go against old frenemy Andre Drummond, whose ass he has busted for the duration of their careers. And that's the first part. But the other part that I mentioned to Derek earlier is that even though Drummond has 17 rebounds, quite a few offensive variety also, they had made sure that they had a pretty good game plan early to help Embiid on the glass where I brought up a, a possession there, an opportunity where Tyrese Maxey even fronted Drummond. Tyrese Maxey fronted Tobias Harris on the backside and Embiid grabbed the rebound. They made sure that early on they were not going to allow him to dictate how things were going to go on the glass, even though we know that he still did and could. Yeah, look, like Andre Drummond is going to get some rebounds, right? I, even with that line I dropped that you quoted, <laughs> I, I know that Andre Drummond's going to rebound the basketball. That's a, a the sun rises, the sun sets, Andre Drummond gets an offensive rebound. Those are the things that you tend to count on. So overall did a good job of dealing with him. You know, I, I would say if there was anything I was disappointed in with Joel, it's that he ended up in foul trouble on – couple of those are just plays where he's jumping at Andre where it's like you could just stand there and if he flings something in on an offensive rebound great but there's there's no real reason for Joel he to be the hook shot. you don't need to that's, a, yeah. that's what I mean he he can miss all on his own you don't need to really <laughs> right. do a whole lot of jumping and leaping around to uh to put yourself at any risk obviously it doesn't matter but but yeah I thought one of the advantages you would have if you have a bigger lineup doesn't necessarily mean Ubre. I know we've talked on the show about potentially getting a, whether it's a pure upgrade or just like a bigger two guard size player to round out that starting lineup. Maybe you move Melton to the bench. I think you could see some of what would be there with, with Ubre in there tonight, like a lot of length athleticism all over the floor, whether they can come up with a player like that. That's a different story, but, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to complain about other than that G League stretch for the fourth quarter. <laughs> where Did they not score for like the eight, final seven eight or eight minutes? Or that? Yeah. I mean, that's hey, got to be. Lofton does not pass the basketball. I'll say <laughs> no, that. Well, I will tell you this. The crowd was giving him a Boban-esque reception every time he touched the ball. So he was being egged on. I, whatever. It's, I don't really care. Uh, I wanted to I see do Ricky wonder, score, man. Come on. Listen, I, what I really wanted was to see Turk play, and he wasn't here, right? Got a, got no, a, yeah, sure? I got a bone here? to, okay. I got a bone to pick with Nick Nurse on that one. So, <laughs> well, uh, oh well. Yeah, but about Nurse, and, and you brought up the personal foul thing. I asked Derek before you came on uh, the fact that we do see a change there with the coaching, where both Maxi picks up two early fouls, and B picks up his third, and then his fourth. And Nurse does not pull him, sticks with him, and trusts his players to get through it, despite the fact that it was a blowout, something different in terms of the coaching. And he came right out and said, you know, how many times do you actually get burned during a season letting guys play through foul trouble? He said, you know, it'll happen a few times, but 
it's not very often a guy's going to get his fifth foul in the third quarter or his fourth fourth foul in the second quarter. And he's right. Like part of that is because coaches rarely try to let guys play through it. Like with Doc Rivers, for example, that was borderline automatic. Yep. Guys are getting pulled, much to all of our chagrin. I'm pretty sure I can see Derek shaking his head oh, over there. And uh... <laughs> me, you, and Rich used to complain about that every time he did it last year. Every time. Well, and it's especially bad with Joel specifically, right? Because he's not a guy. He, he's not Paul Reed. It's not like he's someone just out there <laughs> flailing and and tackling people and just running into people all the time. Where he's a constant risk to be in foul trouble. Some of the logic is that Joel, once he's in foul trouble, will a little more Olay Matador type defense, which that's fair criticism to make. But I, I loved seeing it wasn't just Joel. Tyrese Maxey played through a bit of early foul trouble tonight, so I, I thought that was really good to see. And I, I am pretty confident that's going to be Nick's philosophy on any kind of foul trouble for his stars, and I love that. Thank goodness. Uh, any kind of a read on whether or not Melton and Covington will be available on Friday? Uh, when Nick talked about them before the game, said that neither was very serious. De'Anthony dealing with a sore back. I guess the only the only potential red flag I'd say with De'Anthony is he had a he had some back issues last year, right? I don't know what they actually characterized it as, but it was something he dealt with on and off throughout the season been given no indication one way or another if he's going to play on Friday or Saturday for that matter. But both both him and Covington, uh, Nurse said, nothing serious. So I, I would say better than decent chance that they play against the Knicks or at least are available to play because in Cubs, Cubs example, we don't know if he's even going to get on the floor with uh, how no. Nurse has been using him. Nothing serious could have been your recap of the last 40 minutes of this basketball game. <laughs> well, it basically was. I mean, I had a section on Alex Caruso and a section on the G League guys. So, like, at that point, you're barely recapping the game. So They didn't score do? in eight minutes, and they still won by 13. It's wild. They, they went how, that how often without scoring, and at no point did I think, oh, no, something might happen. How often do you think that's happened where it's, a team has not scored for the final eight-plus minutes of a game and they won by, by double, double digits? It, I can't imagine it ever has. Don't know. Don't know. But, hey, that's how that's how tonight went for the 76ers over the Bulls, a blowout up by as much in this game as uh, 31 points in, in this in this matchup. A couple of days off, Friday against the Knicks at the arena, Kyle. Of course, you'll be there, but you'll also be back in here on Wednesday. No days off for us, fellas. You know that. Well, yeah, no days off. Hey, listen, man, get home safe. Uh, look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow. Have a good rest of your night. Thanks, man. Sounds good. See you guys. We got Kyle Newbeck live from the arena after the Sixers pick up their 23rd win of the campaign, taking down the Chicago Bulls. First win in three matchups as the Bulls beat them in two. their first two. They had to win this one against the Chicago. They're st starting to, you know, we've seen them play well. They're starting to still fall back down to earth. In the standings, the Bulls are still in 10th place right now and a half game out of being out of the playoff play-in tournament. So they are who we thought they were, even if Zach Levine <laughs> is not in the lineup and Nick Vucevic not in the lineup for them either. This was fun, though. It's good to be back in 2024 here with everybody checking in on a good win where the Sixers had this win. They were in cruise control. 
after a while, up by as much as 31 again. They really jumped on this team, and it was good to see them not let up on defense at all in this one. We got a lot of people to thank in this one. We appreciate Dan Scullin for the super chat as well as uh, Zach Suber also jumping in there, sharing the super chat. And we got a lot of other people to thank. So I want to make sure we shout out Money Mar, as always, here every night. Dan, Khalil, Jay of the Jungle, Jake, AC Phila, Rick, Hypothetical Man, Sam, Brian. Again, not McKnight, just Brian Knight. That's okay. We love you, too. If you can sing, though, let us know. whole bunch of others. As always, we appreciate you stopping on by. If you're not, please do subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, PHLY Sports on YouTube. Uh, You can come in, chat with us. After the game, we really do appreciate that. And of course, hit the bell icon so you get notifications for when we go live. And make sure you tell a friend to tell the other friend. This doesn't stop in 2023. We bring it back. Tell a friend to tell the other friends and the family and the friends. I hope, we hope you had us on the big screen when all the family was together for Christmas and New Year. We don't need, this face doesn't need a big screen. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Because you needed to tell the other family, hey, there's this cool thing to watch daily on PHLY, of course, Sixers Podcast. And, of course, you can catch it on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, all those great places, wherever you Just, get your... If you're going to put it on a big screen, maybe put it like 360p or something like that, maybe a that's real fair. low resolution, all right? As long as we're on the big screen. That's that's <laughs> all that matters. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the, uh, what's that, the Liberty Bell button and ding so you can get <laughs> yeah. in there and, and help us out. We also have a cool thing that we're doing uh, with all with uh, Philly sports trips, as we are traveling, the uh, three of us, maybe the four of us, hopefully breathe. I, I, I think I missed the two minute warning. I want he's complaining about it in the chat, so Ow. I want to give him a shout out. We we apologize about that. Also, Gavin, because I I don't even know if I saw Gavin today. I don't but know. We've missed Gavin a couple times here. We apologize as well. You're here every day, and we appreciate you. Thank you, two minute warning. But we did want to tell you about our trip with the uh, all four uh, all. Our trip with Philly Sports yeah. Trips. Make sure you go and check it out at allphly.com. Check it out, slash event, and you'll find what we're doing. We're going to L.A., baby. We're getting the bucket hats in the... Three nights. Three nights. Three nights. We're, we're getting the bucket hats, the sunglasses, and all of that stuff because we need some suntan lotion everything because we're going to be in play Los Angeles with Play some beach volleyball, you. maybe play a little hoops. Be, I can probably run by March where I can run a little bit and play some beach volleyball as long as my foot doesn't get caught in the sand and then I'm in trouble again yep. like you did with the, your trip uh, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, hey, broke, we're going to have fun. Broke my damn foot in London. Anything can happen when we go on the road. Anything. It's not going to happen this time. Because you're going to be there. You weren't there last time to prevent him from doing that. So make sure you go to allphly.com. Actually, when I broke my foot, I was meeting a reader. <laughs> well, I was meeting a reader in a hotel. Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right. Well, readers and listeners. So now you got the combination <laughs> where you won't break your foot. So make sure you go check it out. Read up on it. We hope that you can join us on this trip. It's going to be a blast. We're going to go see the Clippers and the Lakers play. You can buy two different packages. Go read up on it. See what you can do. You got all the information there. We hope that you can join us. We're going to continue to tell you about it, promote it, and hope that you can hang with us in Los Angeles. Everybody have a great rest of your night, your Tuesday, and we'll be back with you tomorrow, 2.30, tomorrow and Thursday here on the PHLY Sixers podcast. Thank you, Bree. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Kyle. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night. 